We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Boys are back in town. I am the Looch. I got Chief Justice Lou Six. It's food for thought. It's another week of football. Congratulations, Will Priester. You're a married man. How you doing? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm good. And hopefully everybody knows that by now. And uh I'm glad to be back. Glad to be back at work. Um just that I always, you know, have a few more days with my beautiful wife. Yes, today's her first day back at work. My first day back was actually Saturday, this past Saturday, starting with the Blitz show. And uh, but I, I couldn't be happier. She's an amazing woman, uh, an even better friend, and an even better person. And so, um, you know, it's just a blessing, man. I, I, that's all I can say. I, I, uh, I think I know a lot of guys use the term, you know, outkick their coverage, and uh, boy, did I, boy, did I sure do that. So. Uh, just just be a good person out here in this world, and good things happen, man. That, that's that's all I can tell you. Um, but but glad to be back, and, and good to see you, my brother. Excited to hear more about uh, your wedding and your week, and and I'll save that for story time. So super super pumped to hear more about uh, your special week, your special day. But it's great to have you on the other side of the microphone here. I'm glad you were able to catch some football and. As always, we start off with the elephant in the room. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think a, I think a lot of interesting things happened this week. Uh, I'm going to let you lead us in with this one. I, I've got somewhere that I want to start, but I, I kind of want to hear where, where you want to go first, and then we'll just springboard from there. Yeah, I don't. Uh, man, there's so many places I could go, but uh, so we had a great podcast in your absence last week, where uh, TJ came on, and I had my good friend Bob Volio who came on here we talked a lot and covered a lot of ground and maybe it's just one game i'll have to reevaluate my take but i said the baltimore ravens were the best team in football last week and boy did they blow it against cleveland so just in general here you know lamar two picks uh he's up to five fumbles with two fumbles lost on the year bad ball security that was a game that they completely uh blew away in the second half and you know very competitive game divisional game that Browns defense again giving up a ton of points uh and you know what they're the, the Browns however they did get it done they they actually had some scoring plays so it's a lot to take in in this game 
it's a lot to take in. Like they gave up a ton of points, but they they created their own offense, which brings me to my next point where Deshaun Watson was horrid to start this game, like coming stemming from the first play. But at one point he was like one of nine. Then he had a brief locker room excursion. I'm at the point where I've seen enough of the current state of Deshaun Watson where I, I'm almost more confident in this team with P.J. Walker, who held the fort down. That sounds insane, like on paper. But I haven't seen anything from Deshaun Watson that leads me to believe that he'll help put the best product on this team right now, Chief. So I think for me, it was just a bad ball security game for Baltimore. And I, I still like where they're at. But a massive road win for Cleveland. That puts them to 6-3. and three. And I know there's people in, you know, in Browns Nation who are probably slowly jumping off the Deshaun Watson QB1 bandwagon. Uh, it seems like he's not available, and when he is, he's just bad. So as much as I kind of crapped on the Browns defense, they gave up a ton of points. They created uh, their own offense in this game, with, which helped them get a huge road division win. Huge win for Cleveland and put them at 6-3 and three in that congested AFC, Chief. Yeah, and I'm going to keep this one very simple here, Luke, with Ravens-Browns. Um, division game, you know, the Browns were kind of my dark horse sleeper to get out of this division to start the season. And I'll, I'll put it to you this way. In the NFL, the best teams aren't always going to win every week, but the best teams are going to win the big games. Right, they're, they're, they're going to win the big games. So, and we saw this stretch of the Ravens where Luch, you know, we thought, okay, this is it. They've taken off. They're, they're about to run away with this thing. And then suddenly they put up another one of these duds. You know, we saw, we saw glimpses, right? We thought they were about to take off. They lose to Indianapolis. So you thought, we're, they, they come three weeks just running through everybody. Okay, they're about to take off. Lose to the Browns. My question is, and I do think the Ravens are still really good. Do we think they're good enough to win a Super Bowl? I don't think so. Because I don't know when the next hiccup is coming. And that's the thing about these teams, right? When we look at the Ravens, what, what is, where, where is the next hiccup? Uh, I, I don't know. But, but one is on the way, Luce. A hiccup is on the way because why? The Ravens have now shown us that they're not going to close all these games. Is it? Is it Sunday, November twenty sixth at the Chargers? I, it could be. Is it next week when the Bengals come to town after their after their loss to, to Houston? Maybe. Well, and and that game's coming up on Thursday night, so this is a big game, short week from. Think about this, Luce. This might be the most pivotal game of the season for both of these teams. Short week, both teams coming off losses. The Ravens, the Ravens specifically with the division loss, and so the, the Ravens get the Chargers. Uh, let's see. When is the – I'm going through this for a reason because at some point, like, they're going to lose again. The Rams come to town in December. I, I don't know if they're going to win that game. All right, I'm, and I, once again, I, I am exaggerating a little bit here. The Ravens are a good football team. But my point is, the teams that were supposed to separate this season, separate themselves, 
haven't really done so in dramatic fashion outside of the Philadelphia Eagles. Like Philly's kind of been doing this slight separation week to week to week. Uh, even the Chiefs, think about it, lose to the Broncos. Like, guys, we, we've got to win the game you're supposed to win. Teams aren't doing that. The Bills, they're not doing that. Um, you know, the Steelers are just glad to be the number. They just keep hanging around. Heck, they could beat the Ravens one of these games. You get my point. They already I'm did. Not, no, I know, but I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to hog them. Yeah, but it's and like, and they beat Cleveland. I mean, here you are, here you're Pittsburgh. You're six and three. I think that was the first game they haven't got outgained in, uh, and and they won. No, 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 no. They, they were outgained this this week as well, and they still won the game. And, and it's, you know, it's, so it's such so an anomaly. It's it's such an anomaly. It is, but it's happening, <laughs> right? Well, their defense is their defense is taking over games for them in opportune situations, even in that Cleveland game. Didn't they have two defensive touchdowns in that game? At least one, I think. I think they had two. Didn't they have a pick six and then a fumble for a touchdown? Well, you you, you can get out game all you want. The defense scores two touchdowns. I mean, but but my point is, getting getting back back to Baltimore. This is what I'm seeing. It's like they're seven and three. Yes, they could they could easily be ten and zero, but they're not. And 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 that that's concerning for me for the for the the stretch of a season. That that's all I'm saying. Like I don't feel like this team is ready to close the deal and go to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, whoever comes out of that division is going to have a home game, and they're going to be a tough out. So it's really hard to say who it's going to be. I, well, I I mean, you go right ahead. You go right ahead. I was just saying, you know, just thinking about Pittsburgh. Nobody wants to come to the former Heinz Field in January and have to win a game and a meaningful game. And here's Pittsburgh. Like yeah. they got the ground game going a little bit last week. That was their by far their best, you know, rushing attack of the season. Jalen Warren and, and Najee doing their thing and you know, Warren slowly getting more work. Yeah, you know. But can Kenny Pickett win you a game? I, I don't know. <laughs> and maybe part of that's Matt Canada. And the offensive line still not great, um, but if they get the right matchups, you know, down the stretch, like you can run the ball on Cincinnati. You might have a tough time against Baltimore and Cleveland, but but look at it. Pittsburgh has the tiebreakers right now over Baltimore and Cleveland because they beat them right now, as of right Correct. now, right today. Let's talk about that real quick though, because when you look across the landscape of the AFC, one of the things that we're noticing is the AFC is going to be a big clump this year. Or at least that's the way it's starting to look, gonna gonna be looking to pan out. When I look at the AFC East in terms of the best record, I'm not saying that I'm not saying they're going to come out because the Bills have already beat them. But in terms of the best record, the Dolphins are six and three. At the bottom of that division is the Patriots. They're not going to the playoffs. They're done. All right, AFC West. You've got the Chiefs at seven and two. The Chargers just can't put it together. The Raiders are surging, and then you've got the Broncos at three and five. Broncos aren't going to the playoffs, so they're done. But the Chiefs, 7-2. and two. Then you go to the AFC North. This is where it gets tricky. This division could probably get two in. Ravens, Steelers, Browns, Bengals, all teams above 500. And at the end of um, Thursday, one team will be at five. Well, 
Yeah, yeah. Both both teams could still be above five hundred, but the Raider, the Ravens could be seven and four or eight and three, and the Bengals could be five and five or six and four. And then you got so so that's kind of the that's called the creme de la creme division right now. This division probably gets two in. What do you say, Luke? I think they get two in as long as these teams keep winning. One of the Ravens, Browns, Steelers, Browns. I don't, I don't know who's going to be. It could be any of them. But they're going to get two in. Then you go to the AFC South, where the Texans have already beat the Jags. If they beat the Jags again, they've got a shot to just win the division. Boy, your poor Titans at three and six. Uh, they just couldn't put it together this weekend. I'm sure you'll talk about that. But that's that division. Then we go over to the NFC, where it's pretty much it's going to be slightly tight in all divisions except the NFC South. So the NFC South is going to be the weak division here. In the North, you've got the Lions and Vikings leading the charge. Bears will not get in. NFC West, you've got the Niners, Seahawks. Rams and Cardinals probably won't get in. And then you've got the NFC East with Eagles, Cowboys. Both of those teams, I would assume, get into uh, the playoffs, Luke. So it's going to get interesting down the stretch. And I know, like I said, I know we, we, we springboarded this off of the Baltimore Ravens. But my point is, out of all the teams in the league right now, the team that I trust the most is the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's really where I was headed. Um, yes, I know they've lost the game. I know they've had some interesting wins. I know some of them they've had to just pull themselves out off the off the mat, kick some field goals to win. But imagine if San Francisco made a couple field goals late in the game. They'd easily be at least seven and two right now, rather than six and three. Um, so, so I, I trust the Eagles more than anyone. And, um, the NFL has just been very interesting this year in the AFC. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. And, you know, CJ Stroud's a dog, man. And well, yeah, let's go there. Let's go there. Not, not only should, you know, Texans fans, personnel player, you know, everyone be thrilled with CJ Stroud. But he banged on the table for them to also draft Tank Dell. And apparently he influenced the front office to do so. So if Tank Dell, I don't know, but if Tank Dell was not really on Houston's radar, they should also be thankful, even more thankful for Mr. Stroud to say, draft my buddy here. He's the real deal. And the connection they have has been incredible. Unbelievable game. Huge win uh, without Nico Collins. And, you know, people who don't really follow the Texans as much or, you know, don't watch a ton of football. I had a friend, Eagles fan, you know, doesn't watch a lot of AFC. So, oh, man, imagine C.J. Stroud with some talent around him. The talent's there. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, the running game's been a huge disappointment. Imagine if they get the ground game going. The offensive line's not great. You know, put a guy or two in front of them. You know, I say that, and Devin Singletary had 150 yards on the ground last week. A week after he was, like, 40% chalk, here it is. Uh, you know, the Bengals you can run on. And it was by far their best ground game. And, you know, C.J. Stroud followed up his monster epic performance with another sensational game, just making clutch throws with his legs and his arm. And, you know, Cincinnati, kind of similar setup. Offensive line's not great. Like, they try to run the ball with Joe Mixon every week. He gets decent volume, but they, they never really consistently can run the ball. So both teams kind of same situation. T. Higgins was out. You know, Jamar Chase banged up, still had a bomb. Great play by Burrow. Um, and, and, you know, a, a team kind of on, like, similar wavelengths in terms of personnel uh, for the most part. 
a hell of a job by D'Amico Ryans with this defense. You know, the players are playing for him. CJ Stroud was a hit. And in the MVP conversation, this kid takes care of the football. Elite turnover uh, ratio for CJ Stroud right now. And what can you say? Uh, quick turnarounds are possible. You're witnessing it with um, with Houston right now. You saw kind of the same thing with Jalen Hurt springing the Eagles to another level um, after some, you know, 500-ish seasons. So you hit on the quarterback. That's the big one. You get some of the right pieces. You get coaching. And here we are. And and Houston's fun. They're fun. They're good. They play hard. And uh, like you said, just a, a tough loss for Cincinnati, you know, in that division, a game which, you know, they you know, everybody in that division needs every game right now. But can't say enough good things about C.J. Stroud. I don't want to beat a dead horse here. But look out, folks. Houston's here. Guy steps away for a week and he's on mute. You know, you just got to give him a little, a little slack here. Uh yeah. So sorry, folks. Uh, charge it to my head, not my heart. Uh, so yeah, with Houston, I, I like what I'm seeing. And look, Houston doesn't have the best record in the league, but I think what we're trying to do, Luch, is we're trying to say, okay, where has this team been? Where does it look like they're heading? And is the organization back to looking like? Um, showing some relevance, right? And I think that's what we're seeing with Houston. I think that's why they're getting so much attention. Now, I'm not doing that to overshadow C.J. Stroud and what he's been able to do. Stroud has been phenomenal, and I I think we need to acknowledge that, hey, this is a rookie quarterback that I think some people, especially some of the big media personalities, did not expect to be this good, right? Some of the big media, I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying some of them, you know, we've heard all of this about the Wonderlick test. Obviously, we know that that information was out there. Uh, CJ Stroud goes to Houston and says, "Put this Wonderlick test in your pipe and smoke it. Am I a good football player or not?" Right. That that that's basically what it bo- boils down to in the end, Luke. Right? Wonderlick, no Wonderlick. You can give them all the tests, all the measurables, anything you want. You know, let them show up at Senior Day. Let them do everything at the combine. But the question still remains. Is the person a good football player, right? Because that, that's what you need. You need, okay, most coaches, you've heard coaches say this. It's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jims and Joes, the Jackson Joes, right? You, you, you need players. And so what we're looking at with the Texans right now, Luke, is a quarterback that is the ultimate player on the offense and he's elevated this team. He doesn't have so – that's what's crazy, right? Like, look, Tank Dell could be coming. Don't get me wrong. He could absolutely be coming. But I don't see any A.J. Browns walking around on the Houston Texans offense. I don't see any Justin Jeffersons. I, I don't I don't see any Tyree Kills. I don't see – you get what I'm saying? I don't see any Devo Samuels. I don't see These any guys, They're I, coming, man. I, I, my, my point is – they don't have big names on offense. No established they, they, vets that are studs. Yeah, outside of Robert Woods, who's probably really good for the wide right. receiver room. But he's not a right? stud. Correct. That's, that, that's all I'm saying. Luch, right. yesterday, and I know we're saying we can run on the Cincinnati Bengals. We haven't seen Devin Singletary look this good since, since Florida Atlantic, okay? 
since FAU. But now listen, I don't I don't know how much you know about Devin Singletary and, and the legend of Devin Singletary in college at Florida Atlantic. This guy was legit good. I mean, really good. Once again, sit, your situation matters in the NFL, especially when you're a rookie. Now, and I know we're talking about Devin Singletary. I'm going to parlay that back into C.J. Stroud, and now he's elevated this team. If C.J. Stroud goes to the Panthers, I don't think he looks this good. I, I, I genuinely believe that. Do you know why? Because I don't know why the, the Panthers seem content on being archaic. I, I don't know what we have going on that up there in Charlotte. We just we're just not a fun team. Houston's a fun team. I think the offensive coordinator has embraced fun, right? I think he's embraced this, the characteristics of Stroud. I think they've tried to find a way to to help him accelerate and be good really fast, right? They haven't dumbed down the offense for him. Like, when you watch him play, Luke, you don't see a team where they're being cautious. He's dinking and dunking, throwing five-yard out. They're pushing the ball down the field. They're running the football. They're being creative. They're putting the ball in his hands in clutch situations and saying, take us to the promised land, right? I think they've empowered him to be good. And I think that can't be ignored by the coaching staff and what D'Amico Ryans has done. They've literally empowered a rookie quarterback to go out there and be good. And, yes, he's he's been good. But I think by doing that, Luke, I think that I think he's playing free. I think that's helping him to minimize the mistakes. Don't, don't overlook this. He's only thrown two interceptions this season. Crazy. You get what I'm saying? It's like crazy. Yes, he's really good. Don't get me wrong. But I think he's been empowered for success. Right, he, he's been empowered to, to go out and chase greatness. When oftentimes with rookie quarterbacks, we're spoon feeding them and probably holding them back in a sense from growth. Right, so I like what I've seen from Houston, and for them to go in, into the jungle, into Cincinnati, and, and, and roll off a win, uh, I think that speaks volumes. Because guess what, the ball was in his hands at the end of the game. He had to push that ball down the field and help them earn that field goal opportunity, and he did that. And that's what you're asking for with your quarterback. Can we win with you, not in spite of you? I'll leave it at that. The Bengals entering, well, I guess this is including week 10, but they now give up the most adjusted yards before contact per attempt in the league. And sometimes, you know, when you're hunting matchups, you know, you can't, you know, every every statistic you got to take with a grain of salt because there's 5 million angles and variables who's on the schedule, who played that game, you know, et cetera. Um, but clearly you can run on the Bengals. And, you know, that that that's not always a cakewalk because if your team just can't establish the run, they can't establish the run. If they're, you know. But when there's a chance, those are things you have to look at, you know. So let's put that note in our back pocket. Because you think Cincinnati, you don't always think cakewalk rushing matchup. The, the cat's out of the bag now. They are having tons of problems <laughs> stopping the run. Um, just for time purposes, we could talk about that game uh, for, for a long time. And, you know, I thought Joe Burrow played great. Same story, though. I mean, just, you know, struggle to run the football. And speaking of struggle to run the football, the Chargers. And that, and God, I was watching that game and they had eight down, eight downs to, to score inside the 10 in Detroit. 
We're stopping him, stopping him, stopping him. And we always talk in the show how you can't put your finger on it, but it feels like the Chargers are kind of soft. And I was watching that sequence with the Dan Campbell, you know, and the lines from Ford. That that's Dan Campbell football. And, you know, the Chargers were fortunate to get four more downs. And Kellen Moore finally made a decent play call uh, and did a little uh, fake fake pitch, a little play fake, wide open. Oh, I think the Kellen Moore hype train's a little out of control. I really do. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm, sh- I'm he's fine. But <laughs> it doesn't help that it doesn't help that the Chargers have no run game. Austin Eckler's great. But if he wasn't such an elite receiving back, you know, and he's had a couple of drops the last two weeks, which is uncharacteristic. No, oh, no, he wasn't. He had more than a couple, especially the week before. He crushed me last week. He had seven targets and only had two catches in one of those games. Yeah, I know. I had the over four and a half plus money. Over four and a half catches at plus money. Yeah. But if he wasn't who he is, I mean, that's just an aspect of that offense that they need because they can't run the football. They cannot run the football. Who's that, though? Because, look, they've had enough running backs. At some point, your offensive line has got to say, look, just go knock some guys over. Right. I agree. Like, come on. I agree. I, and I know that, you know, there's a majority that say running backs don't matter. But in that situation, in that scheme, Austin Eckler matters a hell of a lot to that team. Yeah. Because they just can't get it done between the tackles. And Justin Herbert's great, but, you know, they're they're forced to be so one-dimensional. And we talked uh, on the pod last week, I talked about that with the Bills. Because the Bills just kind of say, oh, crap, hit the panic button and throw the ball 50 times a game. Uh, it's almost like they've just given up. I'm not saying James Cook deserves 20 carries but you got to give him 15 you got to have some balance and that's a problem with the bills and we're recording this on monday so i'm really curious to see you know how that works out on monday night football but it's the same thing with, with the chargers right you have a defense on paper with a hell of a lot of talent that has just been underperforming for a couple of years um and listen that game had damn near 80 points what did i have 79 so yeah. As, as as an electric as, as a game as it was with scoring, 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 there's a lot to be uncomfortable about with both defensive sides of the football. And and the Lions were up big at one point. I think 24 to 7, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, in that game. And the Chargers just came roaring back. Now, look, I'm going to give the Lions a pass. They won the football game. They were on the road. And But their defense has not been spectacular down the stretch here. You know, we, we've seen Baltimore run through this defense. We, I mean, we've just seen it, right? Um, here's what I will say about the Chargers. It's, it's, it's been time. Look, ever since they fired Anthony Lynn, and even before Anthony Lynn, they keep bringing in these co- the coaches just aren't getting it done. Like, they've had talent on top of talent on top of talent. I know Mike Williams is not available every year. They should be prepared for that by now. He hasn't finished the season in, what, three, four, five years, whatever it is. He's not going to be available every year. So you got to figure it out. Uh, you know, but and, and Austin Eckler's typically been their safety blanket, and he's been fine this season. But the Chargers have had too much talent to not get it done. And perhaps they built this team the wrong way. Here's why I'm saying that, Luke. Can you name me an offensive lineman for the L.A. Chargers? You probably can't. And that's Darren probably lies our issue, right? Like one of the good teams, I'm, I'm talking about the good team. You can name premium offensive linemen on the good teams. 
This is the truth. We think about it. The good, I'm talking about the really good teams. You say, okay, they've got one, they've got two, two, but at least one premium offensive lineman that's going to help anchor this thing. Yeah. I don't think no the doubt. Chargers have that. I, I don't think they have that. I, I agree. Big problem. And, and, you know, you look at this is going to be a great segue in about 90 seconds. We'll talk about offensive line into my next elephant in the room. But just sticking here, like we had 900 yards offense in this game. Both defenses are attackable for DFS purposes. The Detroit ground game. I know it's David Montgomery's first game back. Insane. I I know it's his first game back, but we saw Jameer Gibbs get 58% of the snaps and Montgomery 38% of the snaps. That is perfect. Like that is what you want. I hope. I hope Dan Campbell and company and Ben Johnson don't view this as a ramp up and this turns into a 60-40 Montgomery Gibbs flip. I think I think it's David Montgomery is the perfect, like a well above average complimentary Gasham type change of pace power back for the electric Jameer Gibbs, who not only, you know, showed us his speed, but his vision. Uh some of these cutbacks he's had and his ability to catch passes as well but super impressed with Gibbs. And I think that's a perfect 60-40 ratio. And there are there should be sets where you have Gibbs and Montgomery on the field together. And if they can figure out how to incorporate that, and you know we're 10 weeks in, Gibbs should be fully uncorked and up to speed. Uh, and you have the sun god, Amon Ross St. Brown, out there with Sam Laporta. Like th- This playbook should be, should be wide open. And I don't think offense is going to be an issue, but – you know, the Gibbs, you have to honor Gibbs in so many ways, you know, with so many play actions in motion that this should, you know, keep Detroit that uh, two-dimensional, I guess we'll say. You know, you don't want Goff throw, you know, drop back and throw in and uh, without play action more oftentimes than not. And, you know, having Gibbs is just such a different threat than David Montgomery. And nothing against David Montgomery, but he's the bruiser, right? Uh, obviously, he had a massive gigantic what was a 70 yard run uh the espn next gen probability was like 0.1 percent that he would score on that play so maybe maybe, you know maybe i don't know ball and dave montgomery showed us some flash he said hey jameer gibbs hold my beer i'm going for 70 so what can you say about detroit man i mean it's a given that this offense when they're all healthy and clicking is you know is could be top tier top five type of offense in the league yeah, for sure. And one, one, one other thing here I'll mention about this game. I, I did mention it, but I just want to reinforce it. Listen, the Lions won on the road. Like, if if yep. you want to – you want to be good in this league, you got to win on the road, you know, no matter how it looks. And this one was exciting. I, I think the league appreciated an exciting game on Sunday to, to almost close this thing out. And let's get to a little bit more excitement, Luke. Now, you said you had something to talk about in 30 seconds. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is gonna be a flyby, okay? This is gonna be a flyby. Uh, and we're gonna talk about two teams with with team mascots as two birds, and that's the Falcons and the Cardinals. And we're gonna fly by this real quick. Kyler Murray's back, and this team comes out and wins a football game. Now, I know Taylor Heineke got hurt, but they were looking awful the whole game. Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke had about 30 yards passing at halftime. That's terrible. It only thrown the ball eight or nine times. And not only that, Luch, you've heard me talk about this. Like, I think coaches are doing – man, I, I don't say this term too often. I think some coaches in the league are doing a piss-poor job with decision-making in terms of point scoring. 
Let me tell you why I say that. I like when you get angry. Woo. And I said this, we, we talked about it yesterday, and uh, I talked about it with TJ, and it was absolutely my thoughts exactly, my sentiments exactly. If you've got Jalen Hurts this fourth and one, it almost doesn't matter where you're on the field, you're probably going to go for it. Why? This man and this offense has proven fourth and one is not a problem, right? Jalen Hurts is one of the top quarterbacks in the league. He's absolutely top 10. Maybe you could call him top five, depending on how you want to view the quarterback position. But clearly, he's in the top echelon of quarterback. Patrick Mahomes on fourth and one, fourth and two. You know, despite their struggles and wide receivers dropping the ball, you feel like Patrick Mahomes has the mental capability, the skill, the agility, the athleticism to get the job done. Make a decision, get, get us into the right play call. Fourth and two, fourth and one, he'll get it. Uh, let's go to, you know, who's another top field quarterback? Joe Burrow, uh, Jared Goff. Like these, these guys are proven commodities, right? Fourth and one, fourth and two. We're going to go for it depending on where we're on the field, so forth and so forth. However, this is not the case for all quarterbacks. Look, say what you want about the Jets. I think Robert Sala has a plan and he understands. Guess what, guys? We don't need to take risks with point scoring. If we have an opportunity for right now, we need to take points. Why is that? Yes, I know they lost the game last night, but they they keep taking points and it keeps them in the game, Luke, right? It keeps them with an opportunity to win. Why? Because they have struggled scoring touchdowns. And the coach knows this. So he continues, yeah, laugh at it. He continues to take field goals to try to increase their chances as, as opportunities present themselves. Arthur Smith, knowing that Desmond Ritter is not the answer quarterback, Desmond Ritter comes in, right? It's like third, I don't know, whatever it is. And he comes in and then suddenly it's fourth and one. Lutz, they have a chance to kick a field goal. It's in the fourth quarter, I think. They have a chance to kick a field goal and be winning the game. Then they kick off and then you give your defense a chance to try to get a stop. Luch, they were only down, I think, one or two points. So when they kicked the field goal, they're now going to be in the lead. Young Wei Ku is one of the best field goal kickers in the game. The field goal was going to be a 30-something yarder, I think. No more than 45-ish. No more than that. It's fourth and one. Knowing that Desmond Ritter is your quarterback, knowing that you if you if you kick this field goal, you're now in the lead. Luch, he elects to go for it. Well, guess what happened, Luch? They didn't get it. They did not get it. Why? Desmond Ritter's your freaking quarterback. Take the points. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now 
and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay. I'm going to bring it down a level now. Lucha, <laughs> more coaches decided to take the points with, with subpar quarterback play. Let me, and that's the caveat. When you have a subpar quarterback, you need to take the points. Stop trying to outsmart yourself. You're looking at this guy. You know this guy's the answer. Take the points. Give yourself a chance to win. Luch, guess how many points they lost by yesterday? I'm, I, that's they, a rhetorical question. They lost by two points. 25 to 23. They did, they, they did end up scoring a touchdown later, but they had to go for two because they didn't take the points earlier. If they would have kicked the freaking field goal and then scored a touchdown, they would have trotted Young Wake out of there. They would have been up by loot. Four points. And then the Cardinals have to come back and score a touchdown. Howard comes and trots his team down the field, scores, scores, a, uh, score, scores a field goal, and they win the game. I'm so sick and tired of idiot analytics. I'm not talking about analytics, actually. I think analytics are very beneficial. You guys know me. I love baseball. Baseball is an analytical sport. I love basketball. Basketball is also another analytical sport in terms of scheme and height. Anyway, football, analytics need to be included in the game. But coaches, don't let the analytics outsmart your talent level that you have on the freaking field. <laughs> it's amazing they put up 23 points when their quarterbacks combined for 94 passing yards against the Cardinals. Uh, I wonder why they had decent scoring output. Maybe it's because Bijan Robinson had 22 carries and had 73% of the snaps, and you're not pounding Tyler Aljair every play. I think Arthur Smith got bullied. I think he saw everything on social media. The mem- you know, even his press conferences were just hurt, like cringeworthy. And there's really no reason why Bijan Robinson is not touching the ball. You know, 75% of the carries at this point. Aljair still had nine carries, and again. Fine football player, but he's not Bajon Robinson. Robinson's the best player on this Falcons team, and he almost had 100 yards, 95 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. I think we bullied Arthur Smith into using his best players. We coached for Arthur Smith this week. Congratulations to everybody on social media and everybody in the entire world that said, hey, Arthur, maybe you should give your best player the football, right? 4.3 yards a pop and a touchdown. Any coach would take that any day of the week. And, uh, you know, just head-scratcher after head-scratcher. It's so Great. bad, though, Luch. It's like, bad. Like, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to say this. And I, know, I know we got to move on to the next segment. But my point is this, man. It, it's, it's all about the talent you have on the field. And I'm not saying you don't believe in your players, right? That, that's not what I'm saying. And I feel, like I, I feel like people think I'm the old man screaming at the clouds when I talk about these field goal situations. But how many times, Luch, have we watched this season – Teams don't take field goals, and then they end up losing in the end. Once again, it's situational. I'm not talking about fourth and one at the goal line, fourth and two at the goal line. These aren't the situations I'm talking about, okay? So I don't want anybody to misconstrue what I'm saying here. I think when you're that close and you're, you know, and also that's game, it's game situation, right? If it's two minutes left in the game and you're down three and it's fourth and two, just kick the field goal. Like, I'm all about I want as many opportunities as I can to win, right? And yeah, you're saying, well, Chief, it's fourth and two at the goal line. Like you got a really good shot. 
You do. But I've also got a, it's, it's a much higher percentage for the field goal kicker to just go out there, kick three, we kick it off, right? And then we play good defense and we get a stop and maybe we get a shot at another field goal with 30 seconds left, 10 seconds left, whatever. I'm just saying we don't know how every outcome is going to play out. But I think in football, the more you take points, the better your chances are going to be to win football games with, with lesser than stellar quarterback play. And, and that's really that's really what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Like the Panthers and Bears, they have to kick field goals. Why? Less than stellar quarterback play. The Jets have to kick field goals. Why? Less than stellar quarterback play. The Steelers, they take field goals when they have them. Why? Less than stellar quarterback play. Uh, the list goes on and on, right? There aren't as many elite quarterbacks in the league as we think. Look at the Seahawks yesterday. And the Seahawks are one of the teams I think I've talked about before, Luke. Do you know how many field goals they kicked yesterday? They kicked five. Guess what? They won the game by three points. Why? Because they kept taking freaking points. They didn't. And, and, and Gino's respectable, right? Gino's a veteran. He's he, he knows the game of football. But Pete Carroll also knows. Guess what, guys? If we just keep taking points and keep taking points and keep taking points, in the end, it's going to work out in our favor. And guess what they did? They marched the ball down the field and let our good friend kick his fifth field goal of the game to win by three. If they don't kick one of those field goals, Luch, they have to score a touchdown. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's so imperative in the NFL to take points. I'm done. Let me hop off the train. I'm sorry. I know I hogged the mic yet again about my field goal takes. But when you got bad quarterbacks, you need to kick as many field goals as you can until they can score. All right. Well, and there's a couple things I really want to talk about, but I'm just going to tie them in with a look ahead, you know, just for time purposes. A couple, couple, couple outcomes that I really want to get to, but I'm going to just find a way to tie them in when we talk a little bit about the schedule ahead and the DFS purposes. But I want to, I want to circle back to the Vikings for my last elephant in the room. Unbelievable, first of all, Josh Dobbs, the way this team's fighting. Don't look now; Justin Jefferson might be back soon. But it comes down to offensive line, and it's not sexy. It's not fun when your team picks offensive line in the first round of the NFL draft. But me as a Titans fan, after watching Will Levis get hit 12 times against Tampa Bay, not pressured, not hurry, hit 12 times, I'm salivating over Joe Ott or the kid from Penn State. I want want protection for Will Levis. And why are the best teams in the league consistently good? Why are some of these quarterbacks ascending at a rapid pace? Why are they outperforming expectations? Because they have time to throw the ball. The Philadelphia Eagles offensive line is what makes that football team, and we've seen it in more ways than one. I mean, you just look at some of these teams that are consistently good. The San Francisco 49ers, obviously much better when Trent Williams is healthy and they have a fantastic scheme. But that line is pretty darn good. Why are the Minnesota Vikings able to tread water after losing Kirk Cousins, after losing Justin Jefferson for weeks, and they're surviving? They're not only treading water, like the Coast Guards here, they threw out the raft, and now they're climbing on. It don't look now, but, you know, they're, they're six in and three, aren't they? They're six and three. Here we are, Chief, yeah. Why? Because they had some boring, great drafts. 2021, Christian Derrissaw tackled Virginia Tech. Boom franchise tackle 
right? Back up to 2019. Garrett Bradbury, boring. Boom. Franchise center. You go out a couple of years Oops. ago, you get a guy like Brian O'Neill. I don't know much about Brian O'Neill. I don't have his PFF grade in front of me, but he's been on the Vikings since 2018. So there's got to be a damn good reason why he's still on the football team. So you have continuity, you have growth together, and you have two studs, just homegrown, organic studs, Luch. like growing Luch. together. It, listen, man, I think you and I, and I'm, I'm saying this facetiously, okay? So I don't want anybody to think we're insulting general managers, scouts, anything like that. But I think it's been proven in the NFL, Luch. Just scrap trying to build your team around wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks on offense. The first thing you need to do is go out and get the best offensive lineman you can get. Luke, if you do that, right? Watch this. If you do that, you can go and get Josh Dobbs, at quarterback, for now. You can go and get, uh, you know, uh, Jordan Addison at wide receiver. You can why? Because now you're helping your, and I'm not saying Jordan Addison is mediocre or Josh Dobbs. I'm just saying, right as of this moment, we don't feel like they're all the way at the top of the list in terms of at their respective positions. Luch, you can go out and get reasonable talent and have some success. Now, will you eventually need a quarterback? Yes, but if you build from from, from the pillars of the offense, the offensive line, you're going to be great. Why, 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 I'm going to go back to the Jets here, and I'll let you put a bow in offensive line play because I know we want to talk about this. This is this is one of the other reasons I wasn't a big believer in Aaron Rodgers this season. The Jets' offensive line is not anything near what he was going he would have had in Green Bay with Bakhtiari and the crew. You get what I'm saying? Like, yes. You, you put him behind a bad offensive line, he could get the ball out quick. There's some things he would have done to, to try to help increase the success on the offense. But it's still, when, when you have a bad offensive line, you can't overcome everything, right? You, you, you can't overcome everything. The offensive line can cure a lot of woes. And you talked about the Eagles. And you talk, like, these teams with good offensive lines, I'm telling you, even the Cowboys, as, as much as we, you know, we, we want to talk about that, Think about when the offensive line is right there. Why, why, do you, why do you think they made sure they paid Zach Wilson because he was going to sit out? Why? I, no, no, not Zach Wilson. Zach Martin, I'm sorry. A good a good offensive line can bridge the skill gap. Everybody's so good in the Absolutely. NFL. Absolutely, yes. So you, give, you give your quarterback that extra tick of a second, fraction of a second. You give that wide receiver an extra, extra half a second to you know, separate on his route, to make things downfield. Why are the Cleveland Browns hanging in games? The offensive line. They don't even have Jack Conklin right now. Joel Batonio. I mean, right. stay that line. Wyatt Teller okay. on the other side. We're talking about we're talking about bookends here. And I, I'm here. One second. I'm gonna pull up. I had this bookmarked. Please pull go. up. While you're doing that, I'm gonna squeeze this in. It's, it's yep. gonna be less than ten seconds. Why does Brock Purdy suddenly play well again yesterday? Trent Williams is back. He helps a lot. Wow. Suddenly, he looks like a great quarterback again. Now, yes, I know Debo Samuel was back. Trent Williams came back yesterday, folks. And look at the offense. Literally went from struggling to scoring 34 points and absolutely smoking the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, I'm done. 
that's one game I want to uh, quick fly over when, in our look ahead. I mean, they're back. But here are the top six PFF offensive lines. Uh, a 2023 article okay. from PFF. Let's I talk here. about it. Please. I here, think here I already know six. who they are. And we don't have to spend a lot of time here. But you want to talk about consistently good teams that are finding a way to win. Philadelphia is number one. Let, let me see if I can rattle these off without I, – I, I prom- you know I'm not looking at this. I'm going to go Philly, Dallas, Browns, Lions. Give me sneakily the Vikings. Give me sneakily – I'm uh give me give me the Saints, but let, let's go there. All right, let's go. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know exactly where this oh okay, this is published over the summer. Uh Philadelphia is number one. Mm-hmm. Cleveland's number two. And of course, okay. this is subjective, but we're talking about consistently good teams here. Kansas City is number three. I like right? that. Yeah, yeah. Did I say Sam Creed Humphrey, you know, uh, Thune, uh, I mean, Jawan Taylor. And and they went out and brought some of those guys in, by the way. So yeah. that's what KC did. Like, they didn't draft all these guys. Which some is rare. It's hard to build a line in free agency. It really right? is. That's, that's why these did. boring drafts hit. I mean, God, how long has Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson been in Philadelphia? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they got Jordan Mulata. So you got Philly, Cleveland, Kansas City, Baltimore. Yep, uh, Baltimore's been good. Baltimore, Detroit, yep, really helping that transformation, and number six is Dallas. Of course. Uh, and just just for conversations point and for the hell of it, number seven is Atlanta, uh, but the offensive line can't cure everything. You got to have the quarterback too, and right. you know some other but, pieces as well. But if they just turn around and handed the ball off, that offensive line is creating big time mismatches. All the time. Yes, but to John Robinson, for the love of God, please. No, no, no. But what I'm going to say, even if they're giving it to Tyler Algier, like seriously, Luke, that team could absolutely pull off the three yards in a cloud of dust if they wanted to. I don't know what what the I don't know what the playoff picture is for all these teams, but all of them are in the playoff on outside of Atlanta or leading their division or could win their division. So, okay, offensive line talk. You know, it's it's boring. They're boring drafts, but. And I covered a lot of high school football in my day, and that's where it starts. You know, every coach will start off his interview with, well, the guy's up front. And you know what? That that carries from age group to age level to skill level. It all starts with the offensive line. And, you know, I'll give you my five seconds on the Titans is Will Levis is, is – poor Will Levis. Poor one out for Will Levis because he took a beating, and he uh, he's going to be in some trouble back there. They You can't get your offense going uh, if you can't protect anybody. And – uh, Todd Bowles blitzed and dialed up hell, and it was hell for Will Levis, and he had no shot back there. He had no shot. So, of course, he made some questionable throws, but, you know, you get hit 12 times. You can't get anything going. You're down to some practice squad linemen. You know, you're going to have to force the issue there, and that that was Tennessee. If you watch that game, Will Levis running for his life. Ryan Tannehill watching saying, ha told you so. So, yep. uh, please draft some help for Will Levis, uh, Rand Carthon. On to a look ahead here, and – I'm really curious to hear some of your takes. Uh, I'm going to Miami this week, Chief. Got the King of the Beach ticket. We we talked uh, about it last week on the and, pod. And let me I just had say, an exceptional. Man, and, and let me just say, I'm yep. super proud of you, bro. Super happy that you made it. Um, we Thank did you. talk about it, you know, pre-show. But listen, this, this is, folks, listen, it's not easy to qualify for anything. And so the fact that, you know, you've got a guy here that, listen, he's a multi- multi-time qualifier for for multiple sports 
multiple contests. My First hat is, yeah, my hat has been tipped to you, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped for you, and uh, hopefully you can uh, get, can ride down there and, and get the results you're looking for. A lot of times at the at, at, at the live finals, man, do you want to win? Yes, but just placing high enough is going to be life changing money. So. Once again, tip of the cap, super pumped for you, man. And I hope you hope the results are land in your favor. I appreciate it, man. Coming from one uh, live final, you know, we've been to them. And there's nothing like yeah. that sweat. Um, and meeting some of these people, you know, face to face. I met a couple of them, um, you know, a chance to network. And, you know, these are these, no just amazing time. Looking forward to getting down there and meeting my boy, uh, Toe Tag and Tambo. Done probably 100 shows with him back when he was with RG. So, It'll be cool to uh, finally sit down with him and hang out with Squirrel Patrol a little bit. So shout out to John uh, for getting in oh, as well. Of course. So. Mr. Bresden makes all qualifiers. So <laughs> it, it's, you think it's easy. It's not, though. It's, it's, not, it's just no. not. No. You, you know, you win a satellite to get a chance to go to a second round, and then you have to advance in the second round. Uh, and here we are. So you know, I'm pumped. And, you know, it's tough. You know, I don't want to play to – you don't want to play to not lose because then you lose. And every time you do that, you do lose. So. Uh, you know, you're guaranteed to come out with a little cash. So uh, we'll see. A lot's going to change from Monday here. But but I'm excited. And, uh, you know, there's 75 total entries. And there definitely are. I don't, I'm not sure. I would guess 12 to 15 and maybe t- up to 20 people who have multiple entries. I don't have that flexibility. But uh, I'm happy to just, you know, have one single bullet here. And uh, we will see what happens. So I'm excited to get into some damn warmer weather. I jumped in the car this morning uh to to work out and, and then grab a coffee on my way home it was 29 degrees in pennsylvania here so uh, i'm jumping on that plane and uh i'm looking to hang out uh at the beach a little bit and uh try to figure out what the hell i'm gonna do on sunday so interesting slate for the main card a lot of really high powered offenses are in prime time for once i think the scheduling god owe us that after some of the insufferable matchups we've seen here but, you know, you look at this slate, the Eagles and the Chiefs are on prime time. The Bengals and the Ravens are on prime time. So those four teams are not on the Sunday main slate here. And this is a good one because we didn't talk about Dallas, who absolutely did their job, handled the Giants. There was a massive spread there, massive team total on Dallas. So, you know, part of your brain works saying, seems like, a, well, they'll get ahead and maybe Tony Pollard will ground and pound it. Well, Tony Pollard hasn't scored since week one. But it's not always, you know, you skip the part of how they get there. Some people get overworked about, well, the blowout and this and that. Dallas got there by throwing the ball. Dak, monster game. C.D. Lamb, another monster game. And yes, the score was lopsided. But they didn't take their foot off the gas when it was like 28-7 to or whatever it was. Um, And you shouldn't when it's the third quarter because it's the NFL. And, you know, the passing game for Dallas is how the score shaped at the end. And my question to you is Carolina. I need your, your, your scoop here. You follow the Panthers as close as anybody. And it seems like Carolina is a little more vulnerable on the ground. And it seems like they're, they've had some glimpses of, of playing pass defenses pretty well. Like we just slobbered over the play of CJ Stroud and rightfully so, but you know, they gave up less than 20 points uh, to a CJ Stroud Texans team. So what's up with Carolina? How do you attack them? They got Dallas this week. Dallas on the road. And I'm 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 okay with letting go of the stigma of Dak playing outside because he went into the link a couple weeks ago and he damn well probably should have won the game with Dallas. 
So how do, how do you attack this Panthers team? I mean, can you go back to Dak at 7,300 and C.D. Lamb at 9,200 now? That's the Tyree kill pivot, folks. We didn't even get there yet. But you know, what do you do here? What are your thoughts on this Panthers defense? Can they contain this duo? Uh, I, I would say in a general sense, no. But when you look at the Panthers, man, we're j- so – we're just a, a not fun football team, Luke. <laughs> like we're, we're, we're not, not a, fun. We're not, we're not fun explosive. Football. We we're gonna hog. So here's the thing: when we're on offense, we're gonna take our time. We're not gonna. We're we're more of a possession team than actual scoring. You know what I'm saying? So I think what's gonna happen in this game is we're gonna try to slow the game down. Our defense will get some timely stops, and that's something that can't be ignored. Timely stops will happen with this defense. Um, so I'm not expecting Dallas to come into town and, like, beat us, like, 35-0. to zero. I think this ends up being a 24-10 to 10 game. You know, something like that. Do I expect Dallas to win? Yes. Do I expect them to run up the scoreboard? I do not. Right? I just I don't, um, and that, that's that's just kind of the way the way I'm viewing this. I'm pulling I'm pulling up the average time of possession right now, and if you look, both us and Dallas are in the top ten. Dallas average time of possession is 32 minutes, 38 seconds. Our average time of possession is 30 minutes, 49 seconds. When you go to the bottom. You've got Seattle, New England, Pittsburgh, Denver, Arizona, Vegas, the Jets. Like you can see, like most of these teams aren't great. Most, not all, but most. But when you go to the top, you've got Cleveland, Detroit, Philly, Dallas, Baltimore, San Francisco, Kansas City, New Orleans, Jacksonville, Carolina. Think about that. Out of the top 10, we're in the top 10 in time of possession, Luke, and we're awful. It's because our offense is very uninspiring. But we are going to try to control the clock. And that's where the problem is going to come in. Is Dallas going to win? I absolutely think Dallas is going to win. But I'm not sure it's going to yield as much fantasy goodness as we want. You know, Carolina is actually top 12 in yards per route given up and also uh, catchable target percentage. So the secondary has had its moments. My question is, you dig in, and it's like, who did they play, right? I mean, so we're in week 10. They had, what, nine games, I think? Something like that? Or did they not have their bye yet? Uh, Let's see. Regardless, I mean, they had Atlanta. Whoop-de-doo. They had New Orleans. Whatever. Um, They held the Vikings in check. The two, like, most formidable offenses, though, Detroit and Miami, both put 40-plus up on Carolina. So, you know, there's that. Um, They did a good job against Houston. Um. You know, it, it Carolina's tough to figure out. And the Col- the uh, Cowboys, excuse me, have been so hot, especially this pairing of Dak and CD, that, you know, their performance could really dictate the slate because he got a 6,600 Tony Pollard in what is arguably the best rushing matchup for an offense in the league, right? If you're going to hit the Panthers somewhere, it's usually on the ground. I, I Pollard's been so bad, you know, had a smash fight against the Giants in a game where Detroit hung a huge number and he did absolutely nothing. So I'm really curious to see what projected ownership looks like throughout the week here. 
you know, your brain says go to Tony Pollard at 6,600 against Carolina, right? It it definitely does. Um, But that that's a tough one, man. What are your thoughts on Tony Pollard? That price is so cheap. What's going on with him? He hasn't scored a touchdown since week one. Well, so for me, Luke, I think um, I feel like I'm lagging a little bit. So just give me a second. It is going to clear up. So sorry about that. Um, I just think this offense has been better with with Dak and the CD connection. I think I think I think traditionally the Cowboys have wanted to run the football to open up the pass. And I think that there honestly needs to be a shift in the guard. They need to pass to open up the run now because with CeeDee Lamb flying around and Brandon Cooks flying around, like, yeah, it was, it was the Giants. We expect that from the Giants. But if Lamb and Cooks really get involved in this offense, that's going to open it up for Ferguson for some of those easier scene throws. That's going to open it up for Tony Pollard. We saw later in the game, Tony Pollard had shots at gashing the Giants' defense. Now, Rico Dowdle kind of came in and did his thing because they were up by so many points. But my point is, and I'll go back to this again, the value of Ezekiel Elliott is the reason why Tony Pollard looked like such a stud. We've now pulled Ezekiel Elliott out of this offense, and suddenly Tony Pollard looks like Ezekiel Elliott, right? Just not the same type of explosiveness, not the same type of yards per carry. Why? You're the guy now. And it and when you're the guy, you have to pay the price. And and look, he did get hurt. Don't get me wrong. But I think now that, like I said, I think they need to kind of flip the script. Their passing game is going to help their running game. And I think that's the way they need to approach it moving forward. There was clearly a point made to give C.D. Lamb the ball. 44 targets in the last three weeks. The last three weeks. And I think what's impressive about this and you know, how you have to feel at least fairly safe about C.D. Lamb is two of those games were very positive game scripts and Dallas kept the pedal down. They were blowing the Rams out, you know, or, or they got to where they were 40-plus by throwing the football. Same thing with the Giants, right? This game was really never in question. And they kept peppering C.D. Lamb with targets, peppering him with targets. Um, So I think that's really interesting. I mean, you know, and... uh so he's kind of game script proof because he is the game plan now for Dallas. No doubt they want to establish the run, but if it ain't broke, why, why try and fix it? Tony Pollard, great price. Models are going to love him. That's going to be a big decision point in this slate. On the Panthers side, you know, if you're looking for a run back, is there any, anything at all you're looking at here? Well, I do think the Panthers' offense is more competent than the Giants. Like, clearly Tommy DeVito was overmatched just walking onto the field. So, I, you know, look, man, their offense is just extinct. Um, Dylan pick up a whole lot of targets. I think teams have kind of adjusted to that. But I still think in this type of a spot, if there's one run back, God, it's got to be Adam Thielen, right? If he gets up to 10, 11, 12 targets in this game, you know, to me, if he, he gets double-digit targets, that's going to equate to six to seven catches for 70, 80 yards and possibly a touchdown. He, he's the one one guy 
that that I think you could run it back with. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, and you know, Dak and CD have done it against very different types of defenses. Uh, the Eagles play a lot of man, and the Giants play a lot of zone. I believe. Let's see here. Um, no, I had that wrong. I had that wrong. The Giants play a lot of man. The Eagles play a lot of man. Um, so we'll see. The Panthers are a big zone team. 84% zone this uh, uh, for this week for Dak and CD, but you can't knock the volume there. Again, like just rolling over here. Tyree kills 9,300. You know, Miami, going to be a huge total here. Huge spread against the Raiders. Uh, Raiders on a bit of a short week as well. Where do you think Miami's offense will come in? Like, where do you prioritize them? Is this a, a Tyree Kill versus CeeDee Lamb pivot week? Um, I don't know, man. Like, I think they're – so, to me, they're, they're, they're equal. And here's why I say that. CeeDee Lamb is getting there via volume. And yeah, he had a lot of yards this week, but like, you know, CD's getting seven, eight, nine, nine, ten. He's still not Tyreek. Where Tyreek can, Tyreek can have two plays this game that just absolutely become bat breakers for tournaments. You know what I mean? Like a forty-yard touchdown and then a seventy-yard touchdown. And if he does that, like that, that to me, that's his version. Like. He, he still is going to get pretty good volume, but when you've got C.D. Lamb getting 12, 13, 14, 15 targets, like he's just got so many more opportunities to just keep increasing the floor, keep increasing the floor, which is why he's now 90-something hundred. Uh, if you ask me straight up, I think I take Tyreek at home for what it's worth over C.D. this week. Um, that's my viewpoint of the situation uh, because, once again, I do think – I don't think the Cowboys are going to light up the scoreboard like they like they've done the past couple weeks. Another game, you have Detroit coming off a, a huge high uh, against Chicago. Um, and you know I'm on Ron St. Brown's on the slate, and Chicago's been pretty good against the run. Like even in games they've gotten slaughtered in, you know, they're getting beat through the air. So. I think this could be, you know, David Montgomery Montgomery revenge game. I totally get it. Like, you know, for for him, I hope he has a good game and goes off. And, you know, here he is, a division rival. But, man, I'm looking at some of these matchups and I'm scrolling down the list. And Jared Goff, 6,600, you know, it's like, you know, do you want to pay for Josh Allen against the Jets? Do you want to? You're going to have to pay for Tua, 7,700 against you know, Las Vegas. And if they do anything, you know, Max Crosby and company gets to the quarterback sometimes. You know, Justin Herbert at Green Bay. You know, then you have Dak in Carolina and C.J. Stroud against Arizona. Those guys were all above 7K. Uh, you know, you scroll down a little further. There's Jared Goff, pretty cheap, 6,600 at home against Chicago. I don't know if you're a believer in momentum or not, but they're at home uh, against a team where they're going to be favorites and have a decent team total. They've been pretty good against the run. What are your thoughts on Detroit here with Jared Goff, St. Brown, Laporta? What are you looking at? Love it. I I was big time on Detroit against the Chargers. And I I, I was just kind of in on that game. Like if people watched the Blitz show, they knew like that was my game of the week and it paid off for me. Had a real good week. 
Um, but generally speaking, I mean, I'm expecting the Lions to kind of spank the Bears here. Lions are at home. I, I'm not in the dome. I am not expecting the Lions to flop. I, I'm expecting them to really pour it on with the points against the Bears. If I pour it on, I'm saying this team should score at least 28 points, I think. At least. Um, they, they clearly have more talent on both sides of the ball, I think. Now, uh, and so I, I think the Lions win this game with ease. I mean, in my mind, they're probably going to come out as minus 250 favorites or more. They might even get up to minus 400 right out of the gate. Like, I, I think they're just a better football team. I don't expect them to, to lose this game knowing that they've got bigger things in mind, getting into the playoffs, trying to play for a championship. They should win this game. There's a lot of cheap options, you know, volatile, uh, but some cheap quarterbacks and some cheap stacks against some subpar defenses. You know, talk with me through here about some of these cheaper options of quarterback. Sam Howell, I mean, he's just dropping back, dropping back, dropping back. He's at home against the Giants. You know, Kyler, you know, Houston's been playing much better defense, but boy, did that ACL look fine in his mobility. 6,100 um, against Houston. Trevor Lawrence has been pretty brutal this year. I don't think anybody's really talking about it. Nine, Just nine touchdowns and six picks hasn't really, you know, performed for fantasy purposes. And maybe that leg's a little more uh, banged up than anybody has really, you know, been willing to discuss out of the Jacksonville camp. He's only 6K against a Tennessee team. They are just giving up oodles of fantasy points right now. Uh, no pass rush. They're probably pretty deflated. You know, is it a get right spot for him? Is it a get right spot for Geno Smith? Uh, I thought last week was a, a get right spot for Geno. How about Brock Purdy, fifty eight hundred? You know, he had uh, a good game. Was... Yeah, look at all these options. Go ahead, go ahead, let it rip. Brock Purdy, fifty eight hundred. Yeah, at home, yeah. Tampa Bay. Woo against against uh, yeah against Tampa Bay, where they're going to try to bottle up the run. Uh, definitely don't don't mind that call for sure though. I think we all need to be in on uh on uh, on our, on our guy from on Howell from from the Commanders. Um, I, I'm interested to see where his his prop line comes out at this week, but I gotta think it's at least 250 right out of the gate. Like they're going to be pushing the ball this week, and they're going to have some connections, and I, I think you're going to see some big plays. Yeah, I mean, he's doing a good job of uh, spreading the ball out, keeping us guessing. You know, we haven't really seen McLaurin be the alpha. Alpha Dotson had a slow start, um, but it could be a very affordable way you know, to get some high upside pieces. I don't have the team totals in front of me. I'm imagining it's probably one of the higher team totals for Washington uh, this season. Um, I love using this fantasy points data tool, by the way. I know our guy Britt Devine does a show uh, with those guys early in the week, but you know, I haven't. I'm not at that point in my process where I'm breaking down, you know, quarterbacks against certain coverages and how they've done and things like that. Uh, but you can, you know, dive into that extent. But, but yeah, there seems like a lot of cheap options. And, you know, my just first glimpse thoughts here are like, okay, I like the idea of Tyreek. Maybe I don't pay 77 for Tua. Uh, I, I don't mind CD Lamb. Maybe I don't pay up for Dak, you know, and, and try to, you know, just take the pass catcher of one of these, offenses where the receiving production really funnels through their alpha kind of thing. And, you know, the way to do that is maybe grab one of these young quarterbacks, uh, these cheaper guys, uh, Howell, um, or, you know, some of the uh, Brock Purdy, you know, and find ways to find a, a cheaper pass catcher to stack them with. Uh, it's just a, a bizarre week where, you know, Josh Allen, you know, in theory probably has the highest ceiling on the slate, but he's got the jets um, who are probably going to give him a tough time. So, 
really, really interesting slate here. Talk to me more about, uh, you know, some other some other uh, options here you're looking at. We talked about Tony Pollard, right? McCaffrey. We talked about that San Fran game. Uh, they're going to do their best to bottle up the run with Vita Vea and company. You know, doesn't make McCaffrey the most appealing option, 9,300. But boy, if you can get a guy like that at some uh, low discounted tournament ownership, you got to be interested. Who are some other names that are popping out to you here in some matchups, Chief? Well, I think for me, man, like when I play DFS now, I'm looking at the team in totality. So I know a lot of times, like, you know, on the shows and stuff, we talk position by position. But for me, I'm looking at the team as a whole because if I'm going to play a team, a lot of times, Luch, I may end up with quarterback, running back, and a wide receiver, quarterback, running back, and a tight end, quarterback, wide receiver, and a tight end. Because I want the upside that this team is going to possess in this spot. And so for me, I'm, I'm going to go back to a team you already talked about as bad as Jacksonville has been. Like, doesn't this just feel like a get right spot for Trevor, Etienne, and the passing game via, via, um, uh, what's it, Calvin Ridley? Via the, like, I just think, I think there's going to be some opportunities there for this team to, to score. And so I, I, I like them a lot this week. I also, you know, I like the Texans. I still think the Texans are going to be be okay. The Cardinals have got to come across the country a little bit. Not, not a lot, but they got to play you know, a couple hours earlier than what they're used to. You know, are they a little sluggish right out of the gate? Um, I, I like the 49ers offense against the Buccaneers. Um, I like the, the Seahawks offense against the Rams. Like, just offenses in general. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm going to be. The Lions, I, I like their off, like in totality. Like if I'm playing the Lions this week, I'll have I might lose. I'll have when I say I might, and I think I will just for just for kicks. I'll probably have some with golf, both running backs, and Amon Ross St. Brown. It's going to be expensive. It's definitely negative correlation, but you have to think about how this team is going to score points. Gibbs can get there on the ground through the air. Amon Ross, their primary target in terms of the passing game. And then you've got David Montgomery, who lose. Last week, he got there via big run. This week, I think he could fall into the end zone twice. He gets 12 to 15 carries, goes for 60 yards and two touchdowns, lose just 18 fantasy points. Plus, if Jared Goff throws for two, you know, and he throws for 250-plus and maybe had, you know, maybe had a couple of rushes. I'm just saying there's an outcome where the Lions really run it up. They just, they just scored – 41 points. I think there's an outcome where they score another 30 plus points this week against the Bears at home. It is a division game. I get it. But I, I just think there's such a concentration in their offense of where the points are going to come from. So I like that team uh, uh, quite a bit. Believe it or not, as bad as the Packers have been, Chargers got to fly across the country, play a little bit earlier, lose. I don't like Jordan Love. I, I don't like this team. But what have the Chargers shown us? They're going to give it up to anybody. The passing yards, the run game, I think the Packers are a sneaky, sneaky tournament team with bad players that could get there in tournaments. Tony Pollard has had 37 runs inside the 20 this year. That's second in the league, just two touchdowns. That's incredible. And he's had the second most runs inside the 10. God, I just feel like that's going to change this week, man. 
I I feel like the narrative all week's gonna be Tony Pollard not involved. Tony Pollard hasn't scored in you know two and a half months. But boy, are the stars aligning for Tony Pollard to freaking do something. I love the Jacksonville call. I don't know who it's gonna be, but boy, I mean, just Travis Etienne has so much touchdown equity. Uh, you mentioned Calvin Ridley. I'm looking at Christian Kirk. I know you know it's not as much name recognition, but just in terms of output, uh, I love the idea of playing Christian Kirk, who's just been so solid at 6K and Jacksonville at home. I want a piece of that game for sure. And I think you made a really good point there. Um, yeah, San Francisco, man. I mean, you're, you're going to be paying for some of these guys, but, you know, uh, Debo only had four targets, but they gave him a couple of carries and he scored. You know, George Kittle, massive game. Uh, you know, that was just, you know, Brandon Ayuk scored that kind of bailed him out for fantasy purposes here. Um, the volume was spread around and, you know, you're seeing four targets, Kittle, four targets, you know, Samuel, four targets, Ayuk. And if they're able to run the ball, like that's what it's going to look like. I don't know if they're going to have that success against Tampa Bay, like you said. So I think there's some merit to maybe paying up and playing a guy like George Kittle uh, or something like that. But I, I think going back, you know, after our quick first glimpse here, I, I like the idea of Sam Howell, super cheap. You know, some of these low 6K guys. Terry McLaurin's getting volume, man. He just hasn't had the game. He has one 20-point DK point game this year. Like, and here his volume. Here's his volume the last five weeks. 11 targets, 9 targets, 12 targets, 7 targets, 8 targets. I feel like we're having the Chris Olave discussion. Like, I don't know. He can't really ask for a much better matchup uh, than he has this week. I mean, he had 9 for 90 against the Giants in Week 7. That was a game where they only scored 7 points. That was a 14-7 game. How is that game so ugly? That's crazy. 14, oh, that was a weather game. Wasn't there wasn't there bad weather in that game, I think? If I'm if I'm thinking correctly, maybe that was a weather game. But mm-hmm. to dive in a little more here. Anyway, I don't want to cut you short. Uh obviously it's Monday. We're just giving you some food for thought here. Um talk to me about your wedding. Congratulations again. And we'll close up shop with story time. Talk to me about your wedding, my friend Chief. Congratulations mm-hmm. to you and the wife. Yeah, it was good, man. It was so beautiful. Um, you know, just it, it was just a good day. Obviously, you know, the, the curtains part and he's coming down the down the aisle, and uh it's like, man, you know, we made it, you know, uh, a lot led up to the wedding, obviously, you know, planning and you know, trying to get family together and bringing people in outside of town. So just a lot of uh a lot of things had to had to happen. And so the culmination of it all was was just so beautiful and she was beautiful. And, um, you know, I think I told you before the show, I think I cried a little bit. She, she probably thinks I, I cried a lot more than, than I did, but you know, I, I did shed some tears and, um, like I said, man, I couldn't be, uh, I, I couldn't be more happy, man. I got a chance to marry someone I've known a long time and, I consider to be my best friend. And uh so it was it was it was it was amazing. Like I said, family there, friends there. Um reception was super fun. Um and so, you know, I um, I'm just really grateful, man. You know, I don't 
we we did a little uh, little a little impromptu choreography as we we entered the reception. We did kind of have the idea kicked around a little bit already, so that was pretty fun. Um, so yeah, it, it was cool, man. I um, you know, I, I I got a chance to be with someone I feel like I probably waited my whole life to be with, and so I uh, I'm just grateful, bro. That's really all it is. I'm just grateful. So um, I'm sure you guys will. If I can get her down to Nashville for the RG party, at least you guys hopefully meet Mrs. Chief at least once. And uh, if I can get to a live final, then hopefully you guys get to meet her at least twice. I do want to, I would like for her to at least experience, you know, what I do for work and how it all comes together and and uh, get a chance to meet people I've, I've grown to get close with over the years. So Thanks for this space. And um, yeah, that's it. Of course. Congratulations, man. You deserve the best. And it's a pleasure to uh, you know do this show with you every week. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Maybe I'll give you a buzz for a, a Miami Peck talk over the weekend before Sunday. I'll try to. I'll try to put some things on social, take, take some videos and stuff. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll put something together just to kind of show what the live final experience is really all about. And. Tell you what, man, I got my SPF like uh, 70 sunscreen or whatever because you know, I'm pasty white. I'm I'm ready for some warm weather. It's, it's cold as hell up here. So looking forward to it. But where can the people find you on Twitter, my man? Uh, at Chief Justice 06. And uh, hit me up anytime, man. I'm around. Cool. Another week in the books. Big one coming up. So for my guy, Will Priester, Chief Justice 06, I'm the Looch. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Good luck. Have a great week.